0: I do want to welcome those of you at our Overland Park campus, uh, whether you're in the venue or the auditorium. Uh, thank you for being here today. Maybe you're part of our, our new Olathe team, the 130-plus adults that have signed up to serve with our new Olathe campus. That's actually doing a soft launch right here in November in the venue. Thank you for signing up for that. Welcome. And those online from you know Alaska to Argentina, like wherever you're at or just driving down the road. Thank you for joining us. We're in a series right now. It's called 2020. We're looking back 20 years, celebrating what God's doing. In fact, it culminates next weekend with a weekend of celebration services and Harvest Fest. I'm wearing apparel. I've heard apparel (laughs) like this is available online. Uh, So that's next weekend. We're going to celebrate. This weekend is not looking back. This weekend is more about looking forward the next 20 years. And so we're going to be in our Bibles in Luke chapter 18. If you want to join us in the Bible, our ushers have two things for you today. One is Bibles, if you want to borrow or keep. The other, everyone needs one of these. This is a My Grace Church story. We're going to have a time in the service for everybody individually. Raise your hand if you don't have your own copy of this. Our ushers will get you your own copy of this for later in the service. So I was thinking about, you know, our church and 20 years of ministry. Here's a picture of Kathy and I. 20 years ago at my ordination I don't think we've changed at all we look exactly exactly the same as we did 20 years ago and I was looking back at two files on my phone I have two files on my phone one's called grace's greatest moves grace's greatest moves these are things that god has done over the years which is amazing really centered around life change And Grace's Dumbest Moves. Yeah, Grace's Dumbest, and this is mostly about my stupidity. All right, Dumb Moves in 20 years of ministry. I have selected 10 categories to share three of Grace's Dumbest Moves for you. They're right up here. I can't wait to see what stories we'll share. Here are the categories. Church Bulletin, Audio Team, Prayer Line, Hand Sanitizer, Just Stand Up, Funeral Invitation, Confess Your Faults, Hill of the Foreskins, Bereavement Card, What Jesus Looks Like. I cannot wait to see what Grace Thomas Grace will share. So the first one we'll share today is Funeral Invitation. So this was my own aunt's funeral. She was 95. My aunt Laura, uh, 95 years old. We had planned on having a burial service. At the end of the service, I invited and said thank you on behalf of the family Now, I'm honored you're here for my Aunt Laura. We're going to have a short burial service after the service now. My dad on the front row, they would made a change. He just didn't tell me. So he's like, his eyes get big, and he whispers, no, 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 no. Cremation. Cremation. Got it. At this time, I want to announce that our family will be crucifying my Aunt Laura. (laughs) My dad's eyes get bigger. No, we're not going to crucify her dead body. That's horrible. Grace is dumbest moves. I can't wait to see what else is coming. All right. So we're going to do this one. Just stand up. I asked permission to share this story. I have to say that beforehand. Just stand up. So there's one service we had. I called for salvation that week. Raise your hand. There was a guy in the back. Couldn't really see in the auditorium who it was. And so I just felt compelled. I thought it was the Lord. It is not the Lord. But I felt compelled. just to. And I said, you know, if you gave your life to Jesus, just stand up this week. And the guy that raised his hand for salvation didn't stand up. I thought it was the Lord. So I, I doubled down. And you know, now seriously. If you are not ashamed of Jesus and you gave your life, just stand up. I saw him right in the back. I asked permission to share the story. He's my friend. He didn't stand up. I tripled down. Just stand up. Oh, I was so defeated, man. I thought this guy's just no courage. So I go off afterwards and the ushers come running to me afterwards. Damn, damn, do you realize the guy that raised his hand? Is in a wheelchair. <laughs> no! So I, I call. He's a friend of mine, and I call. I said, "Dude, I am so sorry." I said, "What were you thinking when I said just stand up?" And he says, "Well, I tried to stand up." <laughs> so, Grace's dumbest moves. That's awesome. What else? What else? Will we, we'll do this one. All right. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> All right, so I finished the message and went backstage. There's a bathroom. There's a big thing, a hand sanitizer. And I went... And a big old glop of hand sanitizer landed in the worst place possible. I went... ah, And I had to... my, I was untucked, with my shirt like, what do you do? It doesn't wipe off. It is not drying. It is obvious. A big glop of hand. So I was like, oh, what do I do? And I stuffing and tucking and I bring out my Bible. I said, guys, I want to thank you for being here this <laughs> week. It was horrible. I was embarrassed. Hand sanitizer. Alright, so so those are three of Grace's dumbest moves. Uh, here's the thing. We're, we're gonna talk today about our next 20 years. And we're not gonna be presumptuous about this, but because if God wants to change anything. He's certainly open to do that. But if we sense as a group, as an organization, a church body, if God has a direction for us, man, we're going to plan and pray and go that direction with all of our strength. I'm going to share that today, our next 20 years. And so let me go ahead and pray and we'll dive in. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to worship you, glorify you, even tell stories about myself, my own stupidity, dumbest moves. You work in spite of us, in fact, through our weaknesses. And we can laugh about it and not take ourselves too seriously and know it is really your work in us. Not ourselves, not our abilities. It's your work. I pray as we talk about the next 20 years, uh, as as we talk about this, we're very open to you to change anything about that. We hold everything loosely. Pray you guide us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Two things, first of all, about our vision and our strategy. If you're taking notes, two sentences to write down. Number one, our vision. What's our vision? To partner with God to make disciples. That's our vision. Our vision is about disciple making, to partner with God to make disciples. That is our primary activity we do. That comes from the Great Commission, by the way. That's Matthew 28. If you're writing it down, Matthew 28 calls every church to have the same vision. We're supposed to be about making disciples. That's it. Here's how we say it at Grace. Our vision is to help everyone. We want to help everyone become an outward-focused follower of Jesus. We say that every week. We hope you wake up in your sleep uttering those words. You know we're about the Great Commission. Our strategy to make disciples, though, is church planting. Our strategy to partner with God is church planting. That's our strategy, to make more disciples. You actually make more disciples in new churches and new church plants, new sites, Our dream, actually, is over the next 20 years, over the next 20 years till our 40th anniversary, to plant 100 churches and sites over the next 20 years, which would require raising up 100 church planters, 100 worship leaders, 100 student ministers, 100 kids leaders. You name 100 guest services, raising up, empowering, and sending on and on. Here's a countdown clock in my office now. It's counting on to our 40th anniversary. Um, it shows days minutes days hours minutes seconds as of then it showed we had 7312 days when i shot that until monday morning 8am monday morning 8am monday morning september 29th 2036 that's the deadline monday morning 8am september 29th 2036 you might be wondering why why are we doing church planting why how is that connected to disciple making I spoke on this in detail back in May. I want to encourage you, if you either didn't hear this in May, or you've kind of gotten foggy about it from May, or you'd like a refresher in May, I went to all the details of how church planting, new churches make new disciples better. And so you can find that message at visitgracechurch.com slash Olathe, visitgracechurch.com slash It is really the most important message I'm going to speak all year long for us as a group. You individually may have a different message, most important, but us as a group, that was it. Please go back and refresh yourself. Listen to the message at visitgracechurch.com slash Olathe. That's our vision and strategy. So I was praying. I knew this this date was coming. Like, what am I supposed to talk about? Talking about our next 20 years in the 2020 series. I didn't have any peace about just repeating verbatim the message in May because that's out there. And so I thought this. Like, what would be my final words? If I get hit by a drunk driver this week, I'm driving around some drunk driver... Hits me, and I go to meet Jesus, and I'll be just fine, better than fine. But what would, be, what would be the message that I'd want to leave you guys with? I prayed about it. I got four words, four character qualities of Christ I believe we need to pursue. We need these simply because they're Christ's character. We also need these to pursue church planting and disciple making as a movement. We'll need these in a greater amount than we've ever fathomed. Here are the four words if you're taking notes. The first word we need, verse first character quality of Christ we need is relentlessness. We need a new level in our church of relentlessness. And probably the relentlessness of bugging God in prayer about what's most important. That's what Jesus does, by the way. You know what he does all the time right now? He's not, he's not just risen and sitting around. He's certainly receiving praise. Jesus prays relentlessly for us. He intercedes for us 24-7. That's what he does. We need his character being relentless and bugging God in prayer. He tells a story in Luke Luke chapter 18 about how it's really easy to give up on prayer requests when you don't see answers yet. Like we all do that. I do that. Really important. You stop praying. I don't see anything. Jesus says, here's why you shouldn't stop praying about really important things. Luke 18 verse 1. Then he spoke a parable, a story to them that men always ought to pray. Like never stop praying for those important things and not lose heart, not give up. I'll summarize the story he tells, the parable. He tells a story, he says there's a local judge who is not only a really terrible judge, he's a terrible human being. Terrible human being, terrible judge. He doesn't care about justice, doesn't care about people, doesn't care about God. That is a terrible judge and a terrible human being. There's a widow who goes to him, and she's had this injustice happen to her. And he says, get out of my court. I don't care about you or people or God, get out of my court. So she could have given up. But she became relentless in her requests. So he goes to the coffee shop. She's there. Excuse me, judge, can I borrow you? Can you please do justice? No, get away from me. He goes to court. What are you doing here? Excuse me, judge, can you please do this? No, get away from me. He goes and fumbles his keys for his chariot. What are, what are you doing here? Excuse me, judge, can you please do? He goes out to, get a, to do lawn work. What are you doing in my house? Excuse me, judge, can you please? He, she finally bugs him and asks him requests relentlessly until he finally says, I, I've had it. I don't care about you. I don't care about God. I don't care about justice. I care about getting you off my back. Fine. Here's what Jesus says then. If you can get a terrible judge and a terrible human being to do the right thing if you bug them enough, how much more God who is a good judge, God who loves you, God who hurts with you, if you ask him, keep Asking him, keep bugging him, be relentless. Guys, we need a new level of relentlessness in prayer. A couple questions. Do you have your most important or highest dreams on a short list that you bug God about every day or at least several times a week? Maybe it's on a piece of paper. Maybe it's uh, on your phone. Mine's on my phone. I bug God at least four days a week about what's most important. Sometimes I'll bug him for months and see nothing. And I'll think, why am I praying this? And all of a sudden, in two days, there'll be several conversations. wow, it's starting to happen. We need a new level of relentlessness about praying. So I asked back in that May message, we asked everybody in our church who's part of our church family to set an alarm on their phone at 2.05 p.m. every day, 2.05 central. So that we all, it goes off, why 2.05? Because we're starting the new Olathe campus on 2.05, 2017, Super Bowl Sunday. So maybe you didn't hear about that. Would you, if you didn't hear about that, would you be willing now to go, go grab your phone? It would be great to, all over the city or whatever, grab your phone, set a 205 alarm, name it, pray for the Olathe campus. If you heard it back then, and you're part of Grace, and you didn't set the alarm, can I ask you why? It would be great if all across the city, 205 p.m., bing, 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 bing. God's like, Grace Church is bugging me again about this? Fine, I, okay, 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 all right. It's awesome. We need to be relentless in prayer relentlessness that's what Jesus does that's him in us relentlessness here's a second word we need we need a toughness we've never had I'm talking tender-hearted toughness because no one in history was tougher than Jesus he wasn't mean he wasn't hard he was tender he was also the tenderest man in history and the toughest man at the same time and I say toughness you're probably thinking physically well, there's several areas of toughness. You know, there's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Some of really tough guys physically are mentally fragile. We're talking about holistically having a new level of toughness in our church. Tender-hearted toughness of Christ. And so you see this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's a toughness about disciple-making, keeping the main thing the main thing. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, here's what Paul says. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong. Commandment, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul here is sitting in jail, living in hardship. He's thinking he's about to die, and this time he's right. He's about to be executed, his final words. And he writes his son. Paul never had a physical son. Paul was a single man, as we know. He's a single guy, just like Jesus, single guy. Singles ministry changed the world. Jesus, single guy. Paul, single guy. And he had sons. How could a single guy have sons? His disciples were his sons. And so he tells Timothy, his disciple, you need to be strong. Christians ought to be the strongest, toughest people in the world. Not mean, not hard. But we're sourced. It's not our strength. It's not our toughness. It's Christ in us that's strong. It's Christ's toughness. And it's tender-hearted, tender-hearted toughness. He goes on, toughness about disciple-making, keeping the main thing, the main thing. Verse 2, and the things, he says... That you have heard from me, that's Paul to Timothy, that's one jump, to a second generation among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men. That's another jump. Timothy discipling a third generation, faithful men, who will be able to teach others also a third jump to a fourth generation. Paul says, here's what we need to be tough about. A tender-hearted toughness to keep disciple-making the main thing. You see, it's about three hops that success to a fourth generation. I have three children: Jacob, Karina, and Malon. It is not the win that they become disciples or followers. That is not the win. Say what the win is. That as I disciple my wife, disciples Jacob, Karina, and Malon, they disciple another group. Whether they're single or married is irrelevant. They have another generation. And that generation disciples a third hop to a fourth generation. That is the win. Four generations, three hops. So I have have a grace group, a couple's grace group, Kathy and I do. and I've got three guys in there I'm mentoring, Ted, Joe, and Marcus. The win is not that Ted, Joe, and Marcus follow Jesus. That is not the win. The win is that I invest in Ted, Joe, and Marcus. They disciple somebody else, faithful men. And their disciples invested somebody else. Another third hop. That is the win. And we need to have a toughness, a tenderhearted toughness about keeping the main thing, the main thing, not getting distracted. In disciple making, here's my question for you. Is there a tough conversation or tough call you have to make? You know you have to make it. It's right in front of you. You'd like to avoid that conversation or avoid that tough call. Tap into the tenderhearted toughness that's in you in Christ. You've got it now. It's in you. It's, it's Jesus in you. And make that tough call. Have that tough conversation. We as a church are going to have to take tough stands and willing to send people into the toughest places in this world. It'd be great if over 50% of those 100 church plants in 20 years are in somewhere else beyond the United States missionary world and among the unreached people groups. Those are the toughest places in the world to go as a Christian. Are we willing to have the tenderhearted toughness Of either going or sending our very best to the toughest places in the world. We need that. Here's a third character quality. We need a third word. It's the word willingness. The word willingness. And that comes from Isaiah chapter 6. So Isaiah in the story is caught up into heaven. Isaiah chapter 6. He sees God in his glory. He's just struck by how big God is, how small he is, how Holy God is, how sinful he is. You know, when you study the Bible, when people meet angels, not when angels are in camouflage like humans, like they look like normal people, when they show their glory or flex their muscles, so to speak, people hit the ground in front of one angel. They just hit the ground. How much more do you think people hit the ground before all the angels and God in his glory, it just, it just devastates you. Then Isaiah hears this voice and it's God Father, Son, Spirit saying, who can I send out on a mission? Who's going to go? Listen to what it says. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? God is one. He is one God. Who will go for us? Well, God is three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Whom am I going to send? Who's going to go for us? And so what Isaiah responds with we hope it happens thousands of times in 100 opportunities over the next 20 years. Here am I. Sign me up. Send me. So here's the weird thing about this. God didn't tell him where he was going. Who am I going to send? Where, will I, where Who will go for us? Okay, if you tell me the location and the people and what I'll be doing, if it's successful, then I'll sign up. No, 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 no. Who am I going to send to a place I'm not telling you about? Imagine us raising church planting teams that way. We got a mission. We're not telling you if it's Somalia or Central Florida. We need you to sign up. We're not telling you what you're doing, how you'll live, your food you'll eat. We need people to sign up. You know what Isaiah would do after seeing God? I'll go whatever. If you want me to go somewhere, you don't have to tell me where yet. I'm going. That is the level of willingness of open-handedness that we all need. Tell you, of those 100 church plants and sites, if I get a sense and my wife and I get a sense that God wants us to be sent out from Grace Church, we are going, baby. I don't have any sense right now. That's what God would call me to do. I don't care if it's Somalia or Central Florida. We're going. Why would I do that? Why would we do that? Why do we need to do that? Because Jesus did that. He was sent into one of the worst places in the universe, from heaven to earth, and he went. We need his willingness. There's a fourth word we need. Oh, a side note, before I leave that, one final thing. We asked people to pray about, back in May, would you pray about being sent out by the Olathe Campus, with the Olathe Campus team? We're looking for 200 to 400 adults to sign up to serve. We have 133 so far. So did you actually ask God? Or did you evaluate in your head and eliminate it without consulting him? Just a question. You say, oh, the first, first I've heard about this, Tim. I don't remember that ask. That's fine. Would you go in your mind right now? That's awesome. And just say, God, this makes no sense to me. Would you want me to go with the Olathe campus team to start? Would you please ask God now? And if you didn't ask God, my question is why? Do you think God likes being asked, even when He already knows the answer, and you already know the answer? You think He likes being consulted about the direction for your life? Of course He does. He loves it. He loves it. He loves hearing God. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't live anywhere near there. Why would I do that? I don't have any burden for that. But I'll ask. I'm just asking. Would you want me to sign up to serve with our Olathe campus? I'm not feeling it. Seeing it. But if you guide me, I'll do it. Have you done that yet? Because people with a willingness at least ask God once. They at least consult him once. And then watch as God begins to answer. I'm going to challenge everybody here. everybody Here's my voice. Wherever you're at. Ask him once. All it takes is once. Dear God, Do you want me to go to sign up to serve with our Olathe campus? He may answer you right. Some of us, you're answering right now. You need to get online and be obedient to God. Visit gracechurch.com slash Olathe and sign up. Others, he's going to wait a week or two weeks and then you will know because you asked. A final word, it's the most important word the word heart. It's the word heart. And that's Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is talking to a church. And the church of the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was started by the Apostle Paul. And then he wrote the book of Ephesians to that church. Back when Paul wrote to them, they were a great church, so many great things happening. But fast forward a couple decades, their life was really busy. Does this sound familiar? Life gets really busy. They're working hard. He gives them nine compliments, nine strengths of their church in Revelation chapter 2. Two of the strengths are so strong, patience and hard work. That he repeats them twice. Man, you're so good in patience. uh, Did I mention patience? And hard work. Wow, you're laboring. And hard work. Did I mention like nine strengths? However, in the busyness and goodness and patience and hard work, they left something which was their heart for God. Because they were so busy, it's hard to find time with God. Here's what God says. Verse 4. Revelation 2, 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Just one thing. It happens to be the most important thing that you've left. You've left. We haven't left anything. We're busy. We're serving. We're patient. I get it. You've left your first love. He cares most. God cares most. We need to care most about our first love of God being first. Jesus said there's nothing more important than loving God. He's the first love of our heart. What is. Your first love. What's your first love? You say, how would I know what my first love is? Well, it's be manifested in three ways. First of all, you make sure you have every you have time every day for your first love. You do. It's your first love every day. You got time for your first love because it's your first love. By the way, your finances are sent toward your first love. It is your first love. So every day, time, finances, and thoughts. That's how you know what your first love is. What's your first love? Now, if it's not God, that's totally cool. He's talking to the church. It's very common to have that slip where you leave your first love. He didn't leave. You just kind of wondered because of business life, good things. I get it. We all do it. What do you do if you want to restore God as your first love? So John records three steps from Jesus. Look at verse 5. Here's the three steps you take to restore God as your first love. First step is remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Step one is to think back to the moment in your life you were closest to God. When were you closest to God? Remember that moment, that person, that season, those activities with God. Remember how close. You're mountaintop with God. Remember that. Step two is simply to turn. word is repent. Repenting doesn't fix anything. Nothing has changed. You've taken no steps. But you've been wandering away from God. You simply turn on your path back toward God. You're recognizing that's the wrong direction. That's repentance. You just simply turn. And then you take your first baby steps back toward God, which are and do the first works. Step three. Remember your closest you ever were. Turn, do the first works. Okay, so what are the first works of a Christian? That's how you restore your first love, your first works. Makes sense. What are the first works of a Christian? So I, I became a Christian at 19. I had my very first works as a Christian. I was in Blue Springs in somebody's uh, bedroom. They turned into an office space on a Wednesday night. I, I knelt down. They sat with the Bible with me. I gave my life to Jesus. My life was different ever since. What are my first works? What are our first works? Well, it has something to do with the Bible because they shared the gospel with me. The Bible was part of my first works. And then I opened up my heart to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. That's part of my first works. And then I talked to God in response. I prayed to receive Christ as Savior, so I respond to God. And then I believed, intentionally said, God, I'm believing this story about Jesus. And then... I open my hands to God, God, I'm yours. Those are your first works. That's how you become a Christian. Your first works. Repent. Remember how close you were. Turn and go back into the very basic things, your first works. What is that? It's hearing from God, it's opening up your heart to what you're sensing from the Holy Spirit of the Word of God. It's communicating back at least a little bit to God. It's placing your faith in those things that He said about you and life and and it's opening yourself. To, that, that thats the first work. That's the first works. You want God to be your first love. Remember the closest you ever were. Turn. Nothing's changed. Repent. Do the first works. Put it back on your schedule for your first love. Put it back in your finances for your first love. Put it back in your thoughts for your first love. Guys, we need these things. We need. A relentlessness in prayer, a toughness, tenderhearted about disciple making, a willingness to do whatever God wants. Wherever God wants, fine, I'm, that's good. And a heart that keeps God first. That's what we need as a group, just for Jesus alone, and for pursuing this vision of church planting and disciple making. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to respond to God. We're going to take this sheet. You received early. If you're online, you go to visitgracechurchcom live. This form is right there. Share your story as well. We're we'll going to give you time to do two things. Number one, to remember the closest you ever were to God, turn back to Him, and think about the very first works you put back in your calendar, your schedule, your finances once again. And then to respond to think, hey, how has God changed my life through the ministries of Grace Church or affected me through the ministries of Grace Church? Like what if we wouldn't have existed? Give some credit to God. Give you just a few minutes. You'll place this in the offering basket. I'll pray for our reflection and response. Lord, thank you for the chance to honor you, glorify you, worship you. Help us to personally remember, repent, and go back and do the first works, as well as remember the stories of what you've done in our lives, our household, through the ministries of grace. We pray as we worship, we connect with you now in Jesus' name. So, God, we come to you. We pray for these four things for our church family. I pray for a relentlessness in prayer, the same relentlessness that you are expressing now at the right hand of God, Jesus. We need that. I pray, we pray for a toughness, a tenderhearted toughness of Christ about disciple-making to the fourth generation, more than we've ever had. I pray for a willingness, the willingness of Christ in us to go wherever you want us to go, do whatever you want us to do to hold our lives and futures and you know, all this loosely. And I pray most importantly for a heart, a heart for you that keeps the main thing, the main thing. You are our first love. Maybe do the first works to continue that love and attention to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.